Here they come, your Camarda wealth leaders, slashing taxes, dominating risks, relentlessly pursuing profits, protecting your assets, and keeping you in stitches while leading to greater riches. Your Camarda wealth leaders with Johnny Hotstocks, Camarda, Sonia Embraceable U. Elia, Rob Bulmu Shevlin, also known as the financial anesthesiologist, you'll see why, and me, Jeff, I want to be a doctor, Camarda. You're listening to the Camarda Wealth Leaders on WER, Camarda Wealth Education Radio. Let's face it, wealth matters to living a longer, better life for you and your family. Our goal is to painlessly educate you with uncommonly shrewd advice to help grow and protect your wealth. And while we aim to keep you laughing all the way to the bank, never imagine we're not dead serious about money. Jonathan Camarda is a certified private wealth advisor, certified financial planner, chartered market technician, chartered financial consultant, certified fund specialist, chartered life underwriter, and board certified in mutual funds. Jeff is a certified financial planner, chartered financial consultant, chartered financial analyst, certified fund specialist, chartered life underwriter, and board certified mutual funds. He's also an enrolled agent admitted to represent clients with unlimited IRS practice rights, holds a master's of science in financial services, and is a PhD student in the American American College's Financial and Retirement Planning Doctoral Program. Besides being Camarda's Chairman and Chief Investment Officer, Jeff is also a working research academic in Wealth Matters. The Camarda team believes deeply in financial education and expertise and is proud to have Dr. Tang Wei as our Chief Financial Analyst, who is also a university professor and working wealth research academic. Camarda Wealth Advisor Group offers private wealth management, including no commission portfolio management through Camarda Financial Advisors and other financial services as described in our boring end of the show disclosure. Folks, welcome to yet another edition of Camarda's Wealth Education Radio. You're here with me, Jeff. I want to be a Dr. Camarda. Sonia Embraceable U. Elia, Rob Bulmu Shevlin. The, our own uh, in-house financial anesthesiologist, so try to stay awake through the show. Johnny Hotstocks, come on in all the way at great expense from Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Christopher St. John, a financial advisor extraordinaire and a very dear friend of mine and fellow Ph.D. student in the American College's program uh, for a doctorate in financial and retirement planning. So we have a, an excellent, we think, show for you today. We'll be talking a little about asset protection about taxes and some pretty innovative ways to save taxes and uh, um, what's going on in the stock markets. Of course, at the end, we will have Cousin Vito Camarda and uh, his uh, very interesting and amusing take on, uh, on market activity. But let's uh, start with taxes because, Rob, I know that uh, you're a kindred spirit in this. Taxes are really, you know, an insidious, corrosive influence on wealth creation. And really, I say insidious because most people, it's kind of beneath the surface. They're not aware of it. Uh, but the difference between um, the tax, uh, um, the, uh, tax growth and tax advantage growth can be staggering. Would you care to opine on that for a bit? Well, without a doubt. I mean, if you can put together strategies or approaches that are going <clears> to <throat> save or reduce taxation every year and you compound you know, the growth of the uh, of your assets with uh, the tax benefits, I mean, it makes a huge difference in what your wealth creation is over a long period of time. You know, and a lot of folks feel, or maybe they don't feel, they're kind of numb, maybe they visited you recently, but uh, they feel like their wealth is being taxed to death. Um, they feel like they're making a lot of money but not keeping enough. And we see this all the time, particularly business owners, that some are really quite successful, 
but except for reinvesting in their business, they really can't seem to get ahead. Um, and many people, taxes are the single biggest obstacle to building wealth faster, uh, which certainly stands to reason since a, a huge percentage of, of annual income that could be saved and invested often evaporates to taxes instead. Chris or Sonia or, or Jonathan, has this come up frequently in your client interactions? Absolutely. Uh, you know, I generally ask clients what their biggest expense is uh, when, when we're first meeting, and most of the answers are my mortgage or, or children, and, and no one really thinks the fact that it's, it's your taxes. I mean, that's your biggest expense you're going to face. Yeah, it really is, is very often, you know, just kind of beneath the radar, and then people just... Uh, Hang on in quiet desperation, as Pink Floyd had it. Uh, Sonia or, or Jonathan, any comments on that? I mean, mine strictly just from the investment standpoint. Um, sometimes, unfortunately, the, the taxes will hinder um, making the right decisions on doing redeployments in, in their um, investment accounts. True. And, you know, unlike uh, very, a lot of other things in life, with taxes, it's not really who you know. I don't think there's anybody at the IRS that's going to do you a favor and cut your break, at least not frequently enough to, um, uh, to be worth mentioning. But it's what you know. And there's so much you know about taxes. And, and, and so much, in fact, various studies have concluded that even IRS employees only understand between 55 and 83% of basic tax facts. As of 2006, the federal tax rules total over, you know how many pages? Any guesses? How thick the stack has grown? Over 20,000, right? It's, well, 13,000 pages, according to this, and that's probably just the IRC, not including all the, the regulations and so forth. The rules have go, grown much more complex over time. Many of the rules exist really to try to counter the innovative tax reduction strategies that most proactive taxpayers and their advisors like us keep trying to come up with to stay ahead of the curve, keep wealth uh, legally in, in our clients' families' pockets than in the IRS's. With the IRS... It can always only be a game of catch-up with the best advisors finding new opportunities faster than IRS can close old ones. And sometimes these endure for decades, you know, like the black hole technique that we've come up and, uh, and talked about in the previous uh, program using limited liability partnership as a nucleus of, uh, of a cluster to leverage and get hedge fund type carrot interest tax treatment. But today we want to talk about, Chris, you know, you are uh, 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 probably the most expert fellow I know on this environmental credit idea. What do you call this? We've talked about this a couple of times in class, but what do you call this technique to, uh, is it mitigation or, or, or what is it? Well, it's, it's optimization of your cash funds. I mean, you got to think of where you're going to spend your dollars. Uh, would you rather spend your dollars paying to the government for taxes or would you rather keep them in your pocket for later on in life? Uh, that's, that's, I don't know, let me think about that for a little bit. The, uh, um, but really, what, no, what is the, the product or the, uh, or the device called? Well, there's, there are different products out there, and, and really in, in generalities what, what we've talked about. But is it environmental mitigation, or is it parklands, or what? Well, it's utilizing a, uh, a, a conservation, conservation easement strategy. Okay. And, and people can basically donate their land uh, to to the government in a, in a conservation easement, and they're, and they're allowed a charitable deduction. So when we say conservation easement, it means that a restriction on the use of the land perpetually, they can't be developed as a toxic waste dump, it's got to stay a park for the birds, that kind of thing? Essentially, yes. Okay, so what if I don't have land? You know, if I'd like to, uh, to explore this opportunity, but I don't have land, presumably there are products that have been constructed to facilitate the tax opportunity. 
they're, they're having products and there's, there's, there's risk with the products and, and essentially what you're doing is you're buying into a piece of real estate in, in a limited partnership. Right. So we have, so I buy into a limited partnership, uh, I guess an illiquid limited partnership, kind of like a, a REIT structure. And then, you know, as a partner, the partnership uh, donates the, the easement interest uh, to the well, government. The, the first thing that's got to happen is in this because it, it can't be deemed that you're just creating uh, conservation easement type stuff, is that the partnership will take a vote once it's fully subscribed. And, and they'll vote to either hold the pop property for appreciation, they'll, they'll vote to develop the property, or they'll vote to place it in the conservation easement. And, and, of course, all the, the background work is put into place for this beforehand uh, on if any vote was to take place, uh, whether it be develop, hold, or, or place into conservation easement. Now, and I'm sure that, you know, our resident anesthesiologist is fascinated by those details, but tell me what, you know, if you talk to a business owner, typically they're very brusque and bottom-line kind of guys, how would you attract their attention? What's in it for them? Am I getting, you know, am I getting like one and a half times my investment back in tax savings, something like that? Well, what ends up happening is let's just assume for instance that you decided to purchase into this and, and it did get voted to place in the conservation easement. There's generally a charitable deduction on the value you're giving up for the highest and best use of that value. So if you're donating the property or if the partnership decides to donate the property, uh, you're giving up the chance to develop it. So if, if there could have been a theme park built there or a condo complex built on this particular property, you're giving up that potential value. Now, there's a discount for that, but what generally ends up happening is there's a multiple of, of the property or the investment. So assuming you put in a $100,000 into the particular investment, you're going to get some multiple, which is generally four times whatever you invest in. Right, so and just as we wrap up, you know, toward uh, we're, we got about two minutes to the break, and we'll carry over the conversation past the break. But tell me what's the bottom line. What would you get in my end? If I put $100,000 in something like this, what kind of tax um, benefit can I realistically expect? I know it's not guaranteed, but what's the target? Well, it's not guaranteed, but what you're looking for is if you put 100000 in there, you're looking to get about a $400,000 charitable deduction. So if I'm in the forty percent bracket, then I'm looking at one hundred sixty grand of tax savings. Uh, yeah, well, depending on your income and assuming that the AGI limitation for the charitable gifts is still fifty percent, uh, let's just say you have a let's say you have eight hundred thousand dollars in income, and you were to put gross income, and you were to put hundred thousand dollars into this, and it got voted, and you were to get a four to one multiple, essentially you'd have a four hundred thousand dollar charitable deduction, which would lower your income to. From eight hundred thousand to four hundred thousand. Right, right. But again, just the bottom line. So if everything lines up properly, and you've got to carefully vet these things and make sure that everything works, and have reviewed by your tax and legal advisors and so forth. But if everything lines up properly um, for a hundred thousand dollars in a top racket, you know, you could looking potentially a tax savings of about one hundred sixty grand. Is that an accurate statement? Yeah. Okay, yep. and, and so what about you know net invest? What about the net investment income tax? Any any aspects here? Well, can we also save the Obamacare tax as well, or just the income tax? Well, it's, in, it's, it's on the bottom line of the taxes. So where it's really going to benefit, it's, it's a flow down to the state. If you're in a state that has taxes, um, self-employment tax, everything that comes down through there, it's it's not going to be subject to the net investment income tax because it's straight charitable deduction. 
which that may end up lowering uh, part of your income, which will essentially lower your overall taxes or what's going to be subject to that net investment income tax. Good. Well, well, well said. I think if you and uh, Mr. Shevlin have been uh, traveling in Northwoods together, because you're both very, very uh, you know, detail-oriented. Stay with your Camarda Wealth leaders, folks, as we continue uh, the skittling conversation and uh, really get down to how big, big tax savings, maybe more than you've ever thought about, may be possible for you. Stay with your Camarda Wealth leaders. Camarda Wealth offers complimentary, that's free, folks, portfolio reviews to listeners. Get us your statements, and we will thoroughly examine your portfolio, give you opinions on the risk and quality of each position you own, as well as how wisely we believe the whole thing holds together and how efficiently it addresses your needs and goals. At the same time, we'll also opine on how protected your assets are from financial predators, your estate plan, tax savings opportunities, and other ways we can think that you can cut risk, avoid probate, save money, and just plain get richer faster. Did I mention this service was free? Just call us at 888-CAMARDA, that's C-A-M-A-R-D-A, 888-CAMARDA, to set up your free portfolio review now. You're listening to the Camarda Wealth Leaders on WER Wealth Education Radio. This show is previously recorded. For private or on-air questions or to request free white papers or other educational materials or to schedule a complimentary no-obligation consultation about today's or any other wealth matter, call us at 888-CAMARDA. Write it down, folks. 888-CAMARDA. That's C-A-M-A-R-D-A. Charlie Alpha, Mike Alpha, Romeo, Delta Alpha, 888-CAMARDA. Call it now and keep it handy for wealth emergencies. All right, folks, you are back with your Camarda Wealth Education Radio leaders. And as we talked a little bit about before the segment, uh, we're going to get into, there's a lot of changes happening in the markets now, in the stock market, likely in the bond market, as Mr. Del Pezzo uh, will share. And it's an, also, it's an excellent time to avail yourself of some information to take control of uh, um, the, how to, to best position your portfolio going forward. There's a lot of changes, and uh, we have written a brand-new edition of, uh, of a report called The Nine Biggest Dangers Facing Today's Investor and How to Avoid Them, chock full of information on how to assess your position going forward, maybe uh, um, that make some changes, or you over-concentrated, have too much uh, in, in things maybe like large-cap U.S. stocks, or bonds that, that may be headed for uh, for disappointment going forward, and lots of other ways to assess position and hopefully protect yourself for the changes in the markets that, that seem imminent. We'd like to get you a free copy of this report. No cost, no obligation. It's part of our mission to provide the high quality of financial education uh, to our listeners. Um, but you need to call us in the next half hour. So here's the phone number. Write it down. You can call uh, um, the, uh, us at 888-CAMARDA. That's 888-C-A-M-A-R-D-A, 888-C-A-M-A-R-D-A, to get a free copy of The Nine Biggest Dangers Facing Today's Investor and How to Avoid Them. Um, and uh, we can email it to you or PDF it to you, um, but you need to call. So uh, please uh, uh, make that small investment of time that could possibly pay very big dividends for you going forward. We'll also make available a copy of this report that Mr. Del Pezzo, CFA and investment professional extraordinaire, has written on uh, what the future of interest rates um, uh, may, uh, uh, may, may have in store uh, called Rough Seas Ahead for May of 2015. And we can email or mail that to you as well. So, Mark, what do you see ahead for interest rates? You know, we haven't since um, um, the, the financial crisis of 2009, 
2008 and 2009, and we really, you know, when uh, with with your help, uh, really cleaned up in the bond markets, as I recall. Uh, but interest rates really have been so low for so long now. Do you think that's going to persist? Yeah, it's a great question, Jeff. It's uh, and I, you know, I'm probably in the camp that thought rates were, would be a little higher than they are right now uh, already. So. But, you know, that's uh, what the Fed's trying to do and what they've been trying to do is, uh, you know, reflate the economy, get credit back moving, and uh, kind of the best way I could summarize what they've been doing. And it has, you know, it's worked to some degree. We're, we're at least we're growing at 2% plus, but it hasn't worked to the degree they probably thought it would, getting us back to 3-plus percent growth. And, uh, you know, the funniest line I've heard recently was that I was listening to a seminar with Paul McCulley, the uh, former PIMCO chief economist, and he said that uh, basically what the Fed is doing is they're offering uh, free beer at a fraternity party at 6 a.m. on a Sunday morning. So think about that. That's uh, that's kind of what they're doing. with. Yeah, besides you and me, Mark, nobody else is here. What's up with that? <laughs> <laughs> I knew that would get your attention. <laughs> so, yeah, it's kind of, they're offering this free credit. There really isn't a lot of demand underneath it to push the credit out of the banks that's available. And the same thing's happening in Europe with Draghi buying all those government bonds and stuff. Yeah, and I, I agree. For you know, for most folks, that's uh, um, the, uh, it doesn't appear to be working, and and you know, it makes you wonder, gee, was maybe this time it really is different. But from the average investor standpoint, um, the, you know, they're not they're very yield hungry. They can't get decent returns. Uh, do you think that they're safe staying in low-yielding bonds now and, uh, um, and, and and that the values of those bonds will remain stable? Well, that's, a, that's the best million-dollar question for investors. Now, I will say this before I get started on what I think may happen to bonds, and that's in my, the report you talked about. Uh, I'm, yeah, I think that the return, returns on bonds will be very low to possibly have some negative years going forward. But I still think that bonds have a place in portfolio management, and a lot of people probably may disagree with this, but, you know, bonds, when times really get difficult and equity markets go down, you know, 10, 20, 30 percent, you know, those bonds do tend to hold up a lot better and provide a cushion or a shock absorber or for us sailors around the table, a ballast to your portfolio. What do you, what do you think about short-term uh, munis, uh, you know, slicing those into a portfolio at this point? Yeah, actually, it's a great point, CJ, is uh, short-term munis are uh, munis are out, out yielding treasury investments and some corporate investments. So for an investor in a higher tax bracket, you know, munis still look relevant. When you say they're, they're, you say they're out yielding, you mean on a, on a tax-adjusted basis or, you know, just uh, a yield for yield? Yes, yield for yield. They're actually yielding more than government U.S. government securities. Do you think part of that is uh, is a quality spread issue? Well, it's, it's all spread. Big part of it is the muni market is just not nearly as efficient as the government markets, and uh, and they're just less liquid. So you're paying, you're getting a better yield for that. But normally, muni yields range between seventy to hundred percent of treasury yields, and they've been hundred percent or more for the last you know year, year and a half. So they've been undervalued for a while, and they've yeah. done pretty well. Yeah, but one one of the things that that we have noticed in actual practice, though, is part of the illiquidity of that market is a real danger because. It's hard for investors to know what the bonds are worth. And uh, when they, they buy it, they're kind of buying this based on yield to maturity without realizing that they may, you know, way overpay relative to what the bids are and what they could get if they decided to sell it. In fact, we had uh, one uh, um, the physician's uh, um, the portfolio that we analyzed at a major wirehouse, and it, he was kind of astonished to learn that he paid more 
than the face value of the bonds. And if, and if he hung on to maturity, he'd get back less than he invested. You know, so there's a lot, yeah. a lot of pricing issues out there. But let's get back in the uh, in the four minutes or so that remain in the segment. I really want to talk I'm sorry about. I want to for a second. I re- yeah. Mark, I really want to talk about what is it that you see happening to rates? You, I mean, do you see that we're going to see rates elevate in the next twelve months? Yeah, I think the next twelve. My 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 call on rates is the next twelve, eighteen months or so, as they will drift higher. And what do you think? The, think what do you think the impact is going to be on bond pricing? We're sitting at the at top of a thirty-year bull market in bonds, as you well know. You know, being um, the, really the, the our expert on on bonds and debt, as it were. Um, do you think that uh, there's going to be a, a, a conventional uh, reaction to duration, and that bond prices will will plummet uh, as rates go up? You know, or do you think that they're going to be more buoyant? Uh, because of uncertainty about uh, um, about rates. Yeah, I think we had a preview of this back last year called the taper tantrum. And we saw, I actually put this in the report, um, if you, but anybody can pull this up. You can pull up the, the LQD, which is a an ETF, a bond ETF, an investment-grade bond Yeah, we listen, but it gets too terrible. Our listeners probably aren't going to do that. They're probably driving. But, you know, in terms of do you think what do you think is going to happen, I think that bonds are probably – going to remain buoyant and then precipitously drop as the, the, the reality of interest rates increases, sinks in. Do you agree with that? Yeah, yes, and that's what happened in the taper tantrum is that, it, that particular bond fund went down 10 points from 114 to 104. And I don't think a lot of people are ready for that kind of volatility, and they don't expect that in bonds. So 114 to 104, you know, using the, the, the bond pricing parlance, but that's a 10% drop, right, just about, maybe 8 9%. That's right. That's right, Jeff. And it's uh, so. I think this is really going to surprise many people. What, what was the What was the the duration or the or the 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 time to maturity of the security you mentioned? That, How far that out was, was about it? An eight, that's about an eight duration on that on that particular ETF. So maybe ten so years, maybe way, ten years, something like that's that. That's the way you would manage that risk. So, what do you think is going to be the impact then on people who have portfolios that have uh, you know uh, allocations to mortgage backed securities? Well, what could happen in mortgage taxes? Is that Rob? I guess. Yeah, Rob. He, <laughs> Rob, Rob he, came up, he came up for his coma to try to drag the rest of us into it. <laughs> and then we'll get the asset-backed securities after that. Well, Collateralized and uncollateralized. Hey, what's you up with your CMOs there, Rob? What's yeah, up with the CMOs? They, they go, when, they, when rates go up, the, the rates actually extend. Well, I tell you, before we get, we're getting really stuck in, a te- in mired in, 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 in jargon, and I think it's going to be a hard time for our, our folks to follow us. But I think the important point in the minute and a half that's left to us is that, you know, if we had it for a 10-year bond, which isn't all, all that far out, right, that's maturity maybe 20, uh, uh, 24, 25, something like that, that, you know, for a very, very small uh, change in interest rates, the value of the bond dropped by 10%. Is that a confirmation, Mark? Exactly. That's what happened in ninety three, ninety four in the taper tantrum. So the thing to do is keep your keep your maturity short and ladder your maturities. That's the bottom line advice that we give. Is it a good rule of thumb? A one a one percent change on the ten years, a ten percent swing. I think you got to look at the formula for duration. It's a I'm little just more complicated to keep it basic that. But I tell you, if right. rates go up, bond prices will go down. I think that's the important thing for our listeners to to realize, and that as the certainty of interest rate increases uh, becomes uh, apparent. Um, the, 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 you may want to you know revisit. There's a lot of folks out there. We analyze portfolios all the time. People calling for you know free portfolio stress tests, 
And it's astonishing how much they have in bonds, either individual bonds or in bond mutual funds or ETFs, and don't realize the, you know, the danger that is lurking. So as we approach the end of the segment, folks, again, I want to remind you to learn all about that and more if you call in for the nine biggest dangers facing today's investor. That's you and how to avoid them. In the next 20 minutes, 888-CAMARDA, 888-C-A-M-A-R-D-A. We'll be right back after the break. Stay with your Camarda Wealth Leaders.